Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. that can kind of grab people's attention and get them on the hook right away. Um, and pretty much all I could come up with is talking about my grandma, and uh, we're just going to go with it. So <laughs> um, growing up, there was one thing I always remembered very much about my grandma. Grandmas have, like, things that they like, right? Like, you, you know your grandma likes this one particular thing. Well, for me, my grandma really liked terracotta pottery, um, you know, the, the dishes, the plates, the, the pots, whatever. She had all kinds of terracotta pottery around the house, and a lot of them didn't actually have anything in them, so I was confused as to what the point was, but I knew that my grandma liked it, so uh, I kind of always had an eye out for it, and um, I would point it out as, as a kid, you know, under 10 years old, I'd point it out to my mom, hey mom, look, there's some, there's some terracotta, and she'd point out to me that no, it wasn't real, it was fake, or it was a knockoff, or whatever it was, and um, I just remember that there was a certain value that she placed on that terracotta, and uh, something about the way that it was made, I'd be lying to you if I could tell you what that meant, didn't really mean anything to me, but something about the way that it was made, made it special, and then the appearance of it made it special to her. I did find out one summer, though, that terracotta pottery is somewhat fragile, um, yes, you don't need details, it's under the blood, um, it's, <laughs> it's in the past and it can stay there, that's completely fine, but uh, if you're familiar at all with uh, fragile things, they don't stand up well um, to abuse, baseballs or uh, other balls or anything else, um, anyways, they can break. They can tend to break. And um, no matter how good you are with super glue, um, you can always look back at it and see, yeah, that was, that was broken at one point. Uh, and um, sometimes if you've ever put something back together with super glue, you can do your very best to turn it or twist it just so to where the abused part is in the back, right, and doesn't, doesn't show. It still looks good on this side. Uh, and sometimes that works, and sometimes that's, that's okay, and uh, sometimes we can get away with that. Um, I did not, however, get away with that, and thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers a multitude of sins. Amen. We'll look at it quickly to, to this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. It says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. That sounds a lot like the song we were just singing. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. So we see this uh, exclamation from Paul to the church at Corinth, and he's telling them that we have this treasure, the treasure of the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, the gospel message, the good news, all the things that, that we know about the Lord, that we know about Jesus Christ. We have all these things, but we carry them around in earthen vessels, which uh, if you understand a little bit about 
terracotta, it simply means it's from the earth. In other words, it's clay that's from the earth. That word terra means of the earth. So we, we walk around as these simple vessels, these clay pots, and we have all of the knowledge of truth, and we have tremendous value. The Bible tells us that we should buy the truth and sell it not. It also likens us to a man that finds a field that has great treasure in it. And because of the treasure that's in the field, he goes and sells everything he has so that he can buy the field and that he can have the treasure. That's what it is to know Jesus Christ. It's a treasure beyond compare. That's what it is to know that when we speak the name of Jesus, there's strength, there's safety, there's deliverance. That's what it is to know that by his stripes, we are healed. That's what it is to know that there's forgiveness and remission of sins in Jesus' name. And we carry around this great treasure But just like you and just like me, we do so in earthen vessels, which means we're susceptible to crack. We're susceptible to break. We're susceptible to damage. But the Bible tells us in the song that we just heard in verse 80 said that we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Now I can promise you one thing about a clay vessel. If you cast it down, it will be destroyed. Just like me and you, our humanity is relatively fragile for the most part. Our humanity is pretty fragile. If we get cast down enough, eventually we can be destroyed. There was a, 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 I don't know if you want to call it a nursery rhyme, there was a rhyme we said when we were kids, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. The Bible teaches exactly the opposite of that because it tells us that, behold, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And if you've spoken negativity into someone's life or you've had negativity spoken into your own life, you know that there's a power that can destroy an earthen vessel that we walk around in. But I don't want to be depressing, right? We didn't come to be depressed. We came to find that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we'll look to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18, we see the prophet uh, being called into this, to this vision, to something that he needs to see. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." So what we see here is a picture of a man working diligently at his craft, uh, at the potter's wheel, beginning to shape and shift and move and create a vessel. But as he's doing that, he realizes that there's some damage. He realizes that there's some imperfections. Can I say that I'm a vessel and I have damage and I have imperfections? Yes? So we can relate to this vessel, and we can relate to what the prophet Jeremiah said. But he didn't end the story there and say, oh, well, we give up and we just throw it in the scrapyard. No, what did he say? He said that the potter took and reshaped 
and reformed and recrafted a new vessel that he could bring forth. And I'm thankful that my story doesn't end at my brokenness. I'm thankful that my story doesn't end at my worst moments. I'm thankful that my testimony isn't that I was beat down and destroyed and left for dead. But my testimony is that I was able to be put back on the potter's wheel with Jesus Christ. And he was able to apply his blood to my life. And he was able to reshape and reform something that can be good. Something that he can look at and say, behold, it is good. Because if we know one thing about the Lord, when he creates something, he doesn't stop until it's good. Without reading all the scriptures and going into details, a look at the creation story in Genesis tells us this. Every time that the Lord created something, he looked back on the creation and said, it is good. Until he created man and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? Just throw up his hands and say, I quit the creation business? No. He said he, created, he took a rib and made woman from his side and now he said, now it is good because he has a companion. So God doesn't stop with imperfection. God will continue to work on you until he has perfected that which is in you. Amen? Praise God. So Jeremiah arrived at the potter's house. The potter there sitting at the wheel making this vessel of clay. And scripture indicates to us that there are three necessary elements. I tried to do three, but I've got a situation with my hand. There's three necessary elements that Jeremiah was sent to observe. The potter, the clay, and the process. We'll use this hand. Fully functional. Uh, all of my digits moving. That's excellent. Um, it's always embarrassing when you say three and hold up two. It's, <laughs> I can't count at least that high without even taking my shoes off. <laughs> So there was three necessary elements, fingers aside. There was three necessary elements. There was a potter, there was clay, and then there was a process. A potter, which we know we have a potter, Jesus Christ, saying yesterday, today, and forever. We have the God that is unchanging. We have the God that is ever established, goes nowhere. The potter doesn't change. And then we have the clay ourselves. We are of the dust, right? Of the dust of the earth, he breathed in and created life. That's what we are, returned to dust. Of the earth, terracotta, we are clay. We are vessels that Jesus Christ is shaping and making. So we have ourselves and we have God. But if you just have a lump of clay and a potter and nothing happens, you have a lump of clay and a potter and nothing happens. There's a process that has to take place, and that process involves uh, some, sometimes might seem tribulation, right? It's got to spin, and it's got to spin fast, and it also involves a lot of pressure. It involves saturation, because if it stays dry, you can't mold it that well. You have to continue to wet it. You have to continue to shift it and shape it, and sometimes that's a process that we go through. And we feel uncomfortable, and sometimes in that process, we can find ourselves getting angry at God or getting angry at life or getting angry just at the process because we're not where we want to be or we're not what we pictured that we could be or we haven't got exactly where we think God is calling us to yet, but we fail to realize that we're right in the middle of the process. We all came from the pit of this world, and it's important that we remain humble and thankful for Jesus who robed himself in flesh and came to be a sacrifice for us. 
We started as nothing going nowhere, just dust waiting to die. And a hand reached out and touched us. God saw something in you and in me that we could never have imagined ourselves. Jeremiah 18.4 reminds us that God makes us into instruments of use according to his own design and not always according to our design. Now a simple lump of clay on a potter's wheel before it's begin to turn, before it's begin to shift, it has no desire. It has no end game. It has no goal of what it can hope to be. And until we find who we are in Jesus Christ, we can be exactly the same way. Sure, we can have our own ideas. Sure, we can have our own purposes and our own dreams. But as the book of Isaiah reminds us that his ways are above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. And so whatever my will is, whatever my desire is, pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ, the potter, can do with my life. So we need to remember for ourselves, we need to remember where we came from, and we need to be aware always of where we are. But we also have a healthy hope, faith, and joy in where we are going. There's a process, and if we trust in Jesus Christ, if we believe and take him at his word, if we stand on the promises of Jesus Christ, we know he's not going to lead us into failure. He's not going to lead us into brokenness. He's not going to lead us into desperation. His word is always sure. His word is always with us. He tells us that he will go with us. He will bear our burdens. He will lift us up. He will fight our battles. We have the promises of Jesus Christ that we can stand on. And this is a simple sentence, but I don't want it to go unnoticed. God is not finished with any of us yet. Amen? It's just a few words on a page. But the importance and the impact of that statement when we take it to heart, God is not finished with any of us yet. No matter where you feel like he's brought you to, and I thank God for every testimony that's represented in this building. I thank God for every testimony that's here, for what he's brought us from, for what he's delivered us from, for what he's healed us and helped us through. That's incredible. But the Bible tells us that he will he that hath begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is not done working with you yet. You have not reached your full potential in Jesus Christ. You have not reached the end game. You have not come to the end of your road. If you're still walking and still breathing, if you still have breath in your lungs, he still has a plan and a purpose for you. He is still able to shape and shift and move you into another light, into another calling, into another dimension of ministry. Your season of ministry is not over yet. Your season of God working on your life is not over yet unless you tell him you're done. He's a faithful potter that will continue to shape and shift and help us on our way until we tell him no more. Our journey began when we came out of the pit and it began and continues today while we're still in the process of being made into vessels of honor for God's glory. So we see a picture here in Jeremiah about mending a broken vessel. Jeremiah says that when the vessel was marred, the potter made it again. And life can sometimes have us in that same situation. How do we become broken? How do we become marred? How do we become damaged? Well, let's just compare ourselves for the sake of uh, ease. I don't want to step on toes or hurt feelings, but a simple clay vessel... How could it be damaged? 
Well, it could be damaged in everyday use. Maybe it gets dropped, cracked, or chipped. Just like us in everyday life. We can be going along just fine, doing our job, doing what we're supposed to be doing, and all of a sudden, by either a mistake of our own or a mistake of somebody else's, we slip, we fall, we fail. We find ourselves broken or cracked or damaged. Anybody been there before? One of my favorite sayings is we're serving a perfect God, but we're serving a perfect God with imperfect people. People can hurt. People can break us. People can crack us. People can harm our lives. Does that make God any less worthy of my praise? Does that make God any less able to take and to fix and to mold and to put me back together? Absolutely not. So just in the process of everyday life, in regular use, we can become broken. We could also become broken in the fire. Sometimes the vessel, when it's treated, is then put into the fire to be hardened and cured. But sometimes that process, if the vessel's not ready, that process can actually damage and harm and cause uh, ir- unfixable damage to that vessel to where it has to be started over altogether. We are in a process with Jesus Christ. We are in a process of walking and becoming and uh, being made into who he's called us to be. And sometimes in that process, there is pressure. There is turbulence. There is water. There is sometimes what seems like an overflow. And if we're not careful and if we lose sight of where our faith is, if we lose sight of the purpose, if we lose sight of our trust in Jesus Christ, we can easily begin to just throw our hands up in the air and say, I'm done with the whole thing. I can't take the fire. But what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us in the book of Job, he says, behold, I've come through the fire. I've been tried and I've come out as pure gold. The fire might not be comfortable, but the fire always perfects. The fire always perfects. If you're into metal crafting or metal making, you have to expose to fire in order to um, be able to meld or shape or move the metal. But then once you're ready to set it, once you're ready to have it hardened and cured, you have to expose it to extraordinarily high heat and then quench it. The heat that you have to have in order to set the quench is actually higher than the heat that you have to have to move the metal. So if you feel like... And it's, yes, an illustration, but my God, if it doesn't apply to our lives. If you feel like you're going through some of the hardest things you've ever gone through, that's because you're right at the precipice of what God has in store for your life. God always has something bigger for you. God always has something more for you. And he's calling us to something deeper. And finally, the, the, the last way that a, a vessel can be damaged is from not enough preparation. It only got air baked or, or oven baked, but the stress uh, is above what the vessel is able to hold together because there wasn't quite enough preparation. And I've found myself, I'll be completely transparent, I've found myself, yes, with a calling of God on my life, and yes, with an opportunity to do ministry. I've found myself exposed and in a point of of being exposed to brokenness because of a lack of preparation. Now, is that God's fault, or is that our fault? That's the one when we have to look in the mirror. Not enough preparation. So if I'm ready to just, oh, well, my faith was built in Sunday morning service, and and now I'm just going to go take on the world and fight all the devils, but I haven't prepared myself, 
I'm setting myself up for failure and for brokenness. If I feel like I'm going to fix everybody else's problems and everybody else's situations, but I haven't taken care of my own needs and my own self and my own relationship with God, if I haven't worked out my own salvation with fear and with trembling, then I'm not then ready to go in and to begin to fix your life. And when we get in over our heads, above what we're prepared to do and above what we're able to do, and we just branch out on our own to do our own thing, we find ourselves at risk of being broken or damaged. A couple times this happened in the Bible, uh, most, most notably probably King David, famous story, man after God's own heart. But we see he, he exposes this to us in Psalms 31, 11 through 13. He said, because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends, to those who see me on the street flee from me. Verse 12, he said, I'm forgotten by them as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery. For I hear the slander of many. There is a terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. So David find, found himself broken because of slander, because of fear, because of plots against him, because he was forgotten by others. I feel like I've related to David a time or two. And then Peter. Yes, the same Peter who stood up and preached uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter in Luke chapter 22, verses 50, starting at verse 54, it says, Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld as, as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And ab about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter broke. He was broken in the heat of the trial. He was broken in the moment when his faithfulness to Jesus Christ was being tested. He broke. He declared he was going to be faithful, but he wasn't. He substituted the trial of fire for the world's fire, and he tried to stay warm. In other words, he tried to just make a comfort out of his spiritual discomfort. We're called to be different. We're called to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. We're called to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean things. So there will be moments when we don't blend in with the crowd. And that's by design. That's what God's called us to. That's what he's purposed us for is to be different but sometimes that fire can feel a little bit uncomfortable and so we compromise or we shift or better yet we even deny we even know who Jesus Christ is and we find ourselves as a vessel that God has been working on and perfecting and making new and getting ready for use and all of a sudden we've got another crack because we've broken under the fire when Peter denied Christ, the Lord looked directly at him. The rooster crowed, and then Peter ran away weeping. You can almost see a vision of, God, uh, of Peter as he's reminded of the words of Jesus Christ, just looking right into his soul and saying, you are so confident. 
You had so much faith. And Peter was a man of great faith, and he did go on to do incredible things. And he was given, ultimately, the keys to the kingdom. And he did preach the message of salvation. And he did see thousands upon thousands being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But even Peter had a moment that he cracked. So here's the question. We realize we can all be cracked, and we realize there's many of different ways that that can happen, but how is a cracked vessel restored? In ancient days, the potter would take the blood from a tick, uh, it was called fasuka, the blood from a tick that clung to the back of livestock, most commonly found on sheep, and he would mix it with dried powder clay and make a paste. He would then apply that paste to the crack in the vessel. So what we have here, he'd get this tick, and he'd get the blood from the tick, apply it to the dry powder, and then he'd move that over the crack. What I couldn't help but notice was the most common place that this tick was found was sheep. And if you know anything about ticks, they absorb the blood of the animal that they're on, which means the tick that was on the sheep or the lamb, see where we're going? We are made whole, ultimately, by the blood of the Lamb. My cracks, my brokenness, my imperfections, everything I can bring to Jesus Christ. And the potter takes his perfect will, he takes the blood of the Lamb and applies it to my life to heal, to make new, and to make whole. Because your story doesn't end at the brokenness. Your testimony doesn't end at your worst moment. That's just the beginning. That's just where God begins to say, I can put back to work on you again. I can bring you to a new level in another place. We're able to be healed by the blood of the Lamb. But he didn't stop there. Obviously, he would have to refire the vessel after healing it. He'd have to refire the vessel, repeating the process until all the cracks were filled and repaired, and then the vessel was made strong again. Now, when we crack, we apply the blood. First John 1, 7 through 9, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful I know the power of Jesus Christ, that I don't have to stay slave to sin, that I don't have to stay slave to my mistakes or my past or my disappointments or failures, but I can call on the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed, and he can make me new and make me whole. The power of the blood to fix broken pottery also alludes to the power of our Savior's blood to fix our broken hearts. Robert Lowry understood the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive sins and to restore broken and cracked vessels when he penned, penned the famous hymn in 1876. He said, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Praise God. Praise God. Where would I be? without the blood of Jesus. According to historian Kenneth Bent, 
a clay pot that had been patched and repaired and restored by the potter's hand using the blood of a fasuka would then be called a vessel of mercy. Which means if the potter has had to pick up the broken pieces of your life and reshape and refashion anew, create another whole vessel, you're not any less worthy. You're not discounted or cast aside. God has created us anew. We are now not just a a fixed vessel, but we're referred to as a vessel of mercy. If I want nothing else, it's that my life is a reflection of the mercy of Jesus Christ. I'm standing here only by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And the hope and the trust is that because we've experienced his grace and mercy, that then we show that same mercy to other people. We allow our friends to, ha- to fail. We allow them to get back up. We allow them to be restored because I know that I've been restored. Amen? Praise God. Romans chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, it says, "...in that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he has called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, every person, every, every uh, individual, every race, every creed, he's called us and purposed us." Put verse 23 back up there for me, if you would, John. It said, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Meaning, he already knew that there was going to be a situation, that there was going to be some fix, some repairs that were going to be necessary. He didn't expect you to be created and then live perfectly throughout this life. He expected that he would put you back on the wheel, that he would repair, that his blood was shed for a purpose and for a reason. So your failures do not define who you are. Your mistakes and your sin does not determine who you are. Your past doesn't get to dictate your future unless you let it. Jesus Christ doesn't see it that way. He had already prepared us for glory to be vessels of mercy. Now, no matter how we started out and no matter if life has caused a crack here and there, no matter if situations you thought you could handle spiraled out of control, and no matter the mistakes that we may have made personally or the damage that someone else has done to you, you can still be put back together. You can still be made whole, and not just that, you can still be used to show God's glory. This world today and this cancel culture that we're living in is very quick, very quick to pull the trigger on cutting you off, on saying one mistake and you're done, one failure and you're out, one exposure and you're discounted, never to be heard from again. We're not, we don't want to hear you, we don't want to see you, you've crossed me one too many times, we're done. That's not how my Jesus operates. That's not how my Jesus operates. He says, yes, I've seen mistakes. Yes, I've seen hurt. Yes, I've seen offense. Yes, I've seen things that you've done. And yes, I've seen things that have been done to you. But no matter where you stand in Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lamb, we are able to be made vessels new once more. Vessels of mercy that he can use. Vessels that he can take, that he can feel, that he can carry with. That he can use his glory through your life regardless of your past. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm so thankful we are not defined by our past, by who we once were. 
It all boils down to five ultimate steps for the potter to make a vessel. He has to choose the clay. He has to prepare the clay. He has to center it on the wheel. He has to shape it and then fire it. But that last step for the potter in making a vessel is to place it in the fire, to place it in a kiln, which hardens the clay and makes a vessel that would be durable and would last. That firing process actually perfects the clay. It doesn't harm it. Without the firing process, the clay would not stand up to the demands of daily usage. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Think it not strange the fiery trial that you're being exposed to, because this is the perfection process. This is the perfection process. How would the potter know when to remove the pottery from the fire? Now, I'll be honest with you. As I was preparing this, some of it just seemed like too easy. Like, it's almost made up. So I went to a couple different sources to verify that this was the case and that these, and that these things were true. It's not just uh, made for good preaching. But how would the potter know when to remove the pottery from the fire? It says this, even though the potter would make vessels of different sizes and thickness, he would know when each piece of pottery was ready to be removed from the fire when it began to emit a certain sound. The pottery would literally begin to hum when it had been completely cured. Now when we as believers, clay pots, begin to hum or begin to literally sing out in worship and in praise and in thanksgiving in the midst of our fiery trial, the potter knows that we have been cured. The Bible tells us we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and a word of our testimony. We don't need to be overcomers if we've already got the testimony. Does that make sense? If I've already got the testimony then I've already overcome. But he says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That means that while we need to yet overcome, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the trial, I still testify of the greatness of Jesus Christ. In the middle of the fire, in the middle of the furnace, I still lift up praise to Jesus Christ. I say no matter come what may, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to declare to claim the power of Jesus Christ regardless of what's gone on in my life, regardless of the abuse I've sustained, regardless of the pain that I've gone through, regardless of the job that's been taken away, regardless of what feels like the life pulling the rug out from under me, I still stand and I still praise Jesus Christ because he is worthy. He will always be worthy. He has always been worthy. There's never been a battle he didn't see me. There's never been a time he didn't hold my hand. There's never been a journey I've gone on. He There's never been a journey I've gone on that my God has not walked beside me. There's never been a moment that he has not been worthy of my praise. So when I'm in the middle of it, when I'm going through it, when I don't know where else to turn, I can just praise Jesus Christ. I can begin to emit a voice of praise. I can begin to sing out a song of praise because he's worthy of my every adoration. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy of my praise. 
begin to sing in the middle of the fire. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 16 and verse 22. It says, The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. A couple things that we see here, a couple things that we take note of. Obviously, they were in a moment of tribulation. They've been beaten. They've been cast into the innermost prison. They've been fastened in the stocks. Their, their hands and their feet were both bound. Nowhere to go and no way out. When we get in a situation where there's no way to go and no way out, we've got choices. We can cross our arms and pout and complain Say how bad life is and how much it's not fair. That is your absolute prerogative. That's your right. You can do that if you want to. But I've never experienced that helping. I've never once experienced talking negatively about your situation, fixing your situation. But when do things begin to happen? When we say no matter what, I'm going to give praise and glory to Jesus Christ. No matter the situation, I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to give him glory. Take it aside from Jesus for just a moment and just look at practicality of life. And I know I'm standing here with a microphone preaching from the word, and I said, take it aside from Jesus. Understand what I meant, okay? Practical life. In a rough situation, negativity never helps. But have you ever met somebody who's just like so optimistic, they just... Doesn't matter what happens, there's just, they've got something good to say, they keep a smile on their face, and they're just, you know what, it'll work out. It'll work out. Most of the time you meet those people, most of the time you figure out there's a reason for the hope that lies within them, and that, and that is Jesus Christ. But I promise you, there's a certain power to having optimistic thought. There's a certain power to having a positive mindset. There's a certain power to saying, I'm not going to be dictated by what the situation around me is, but I'm going to determine my attitude going in. There's all the different key cliches and key phrases. Your attitude determines your altitude. Your day goes the same direction as the corners of your face. Your, uh, all, all the different things, right, about how big of a deal your attitude is. And you know why there's so many of them? Because they're true. So we can find ourselves broken and be sad about it. We can find ourselves downtrodden and be upset about it. We can find ourselves in the middle of a storm and not know which way else to go. And we can just be upset, throw our hands in the air, sit down and cry. We can do that. We're big kids. We can make that choice. Or we can say, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like, 
I do like David, and I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from above. I can do like Paul and Silas, and I can choose to praise. Even when the situation says everything but praise, I can choose to rejoice, and I can choose to lift a song of praise to him. And just like the fiery process goes, that's how we know we're ready for God to completely use us when in the middle of the fire I can emit a song. In the middle of a fire, I can still praise Jesus Christ. In the middle of the hardest moments of my life, I can still say, in Jesus Christ I trust, in him I will praise, and in him I will take my hope. Because it's not about me and it's not about this world. It's about who he is and what he's able to do and what he is capable of. Music can come at this time. So we've got a lot of information today, but what do we do with it? What do we do with our information? First, we need to realize and embrace the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to heal our cracked and broken lives. If you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about when I say the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the word reminds us and tells us that he did shed his blood on Calvary for remission of our sins. Then he goes on and gives us an opportunity. He tells us that we are buried with him in baptism. The book of Acts chapter 230 verse 38 says, when we're baptized in Jesus' name, our sins are washed away or remitted. They're wiped away. So when we understand that, when we realize that, we're just beginning to tap in to the possibilities and the capabilities that Jesus Christ has for our life and for our future. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have a baptistry here. Water's warm. We've got clothes available. If that's something you've never done and you're curious about, we'd love to talk with you about that today. Because until we realize the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, our future is going to be drastically halted. Until we realize the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I can't get over my mistakes. I can't get over my faults or my failures. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ that does that. The second thing we have to do is we need to understand the purpose of the fire. We need to understand the purpose of the fire. Is this a self-inflicted fire or is this my purification fire? If it's a self-inflicted fire, if it's decisions and if it's mistakes that we're continually making on our own and of our own choices and our own devices, if that's the fire that we're in, We can't sit and point fingers and blame God. We have to look in the mirror and realize, go back to step one and identify with the blood of Jesus Christ. But if this is my purification fire, I've got to be determined, no matter what life looks like, no matter what the situation might seem, my mindset is what's going to get me through. My trust in Jesus Christ, that he is always, as Jeremiah said, he has thoughts for you, plans for you, to bring you to an expected end. He's not designing a, a way to perfectly torture you to death. That's not his desire. That's not his will. His will is that all should come to repentance. His will is that you become the vessel that he's designed you to be so that you can be used for his glory. That's the will of Jesus Christ. So we understand that we're in the middle of this fiery kiln and that God is perfecting and God is making us whole and making us new. Amen. And then the third and final thing that we need to do, regardless of where we're at in life, it needs to be our determination that we will sing with praise. 
because praise, worship, and giving of thanks helps us through a multitude of things. It brings about healing. It brings about purification to our hearts. It brings about an acknowledgement of Him whose ways are perfect, true, and just. When we praise, when we lift Him up, it doesn't just help when you're hurt. It helps when everything's going good. It's that much better. It doesn't just help when you're lost because it points you in the right direction. And it doesn't just help when everything feels good. Have you ever been in a moment when you just decided, you know what? I'm going to praise him anyway. And my God, if he doesn't just lift up your heart in the most miraculous of ways, kind of like they say laughter is contagious. You watch somebody laugh long enough, and even if you think the reason is stupid or they're stupid, you're going to start laughing eventually if you watch somebody laugh long enough. Half your people are thinking about it and you're laughing. So we know the contagiousness of laughter, and laughter is an excellent medicine, but it's nothing compared to praise and worship of Jesus Christ. Amen? And when you get around somebody that's got that contagious praise, when you get around somebody that's got that attitude of reflecting glory to Jesus Christ all the time, you can't help but be contagious with it and get in the flow and begin to worship him and begin to praise him. Because if you take half a second, you can think of a hundred reasons why he's worthy of all of the praise that I can muster up. He's worthy of everything, every good thing that I can begin to think Every good thing that I've ever experienced in this life is because of Jesus Christ, his mercy, and his blessings. We can all stand. We've got to embrace the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We've got to understand the purpose of the fire, and we've got to sing out with praise. God has brought us together this morning, and he's called me simply to remind us that our brokenness does not disqualify us. There is no past mistakes or scars that the blood of the Lamb cannot cover. You might feel like today that you're in a fire, but the fire is the refining, the perfecting, the hardening process to get you ready to be used for his glory. And finally, when you can sing a song of praise, even in tribulation, you let all of heaven, earth, and hell know that you are ready to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm going to open these altars in just a minute. And when I do, I don't care where you're at on this process. I don't care where you're at on the journey. But there's a place that you can talk to Jesus Christ right here at the front of this building. There's nothing special about this square footage. There's no magic up here. There's no potion dust or anything that we spray. There's simply a place that we can respond to Jesus Christ. It's simply an act of faith that says... I know I've sat here and I know I've listened and I know life has happened. And whatever baggage you have and whatever you're holding on to in your seat. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.